episode of House of Decline. Uh, on the podcast today, we have four-time returning champion guest, Rory Blank. How are you doing, Rory? Hello. <clears throat> Getting over a cold right now. Uh, just went to Dallas for a few days. It's it's still Dallas. There you go. It still exists in the mists and the sands of time. Wonderful. Every wonderful time Dallas. I go there, I can't uh, not think about the fact that in uh, Stephen King's 11, 11 yeah, mm-hmm. that's the day of the Kennedy assassination. Sure. It's implied in that book that uh, Dallas, Texas, is a a like just a site of primal evil, uh, inextricable from the place itself. The way, much the same way that Derry is. Okay, yeah. That there's something well fundamentally of... wrong with Dallas. <laughs> there's something wrong here. It's at the tip of the triangle, so you know it's no good. It's at the forefront of the goddamn scary Texas triangle. Uh, I don't like spooky triangles. Not in life, you know. Not not a Bermuda Triangle. Terrified of that. As a kid, it consumed my every waking thought. The way that Ramirez draws Joe Biden's head—that's a triangle. Exactly. Exactly. We were talking earlier about uh, the political cartoonist Michael Ramirez because uh, the topic of today's show is cartooning for evil, <laughs> which might be. You know, evil is a strong word to use, and it's not always good to talk in sort of biblical terms of good and evil, and you know, but you know, sometimes you can pass a line <laughs> that I think you know everyone can be like, okay, that's evil. <laughs> you know, we can all agree it's a little evil. You know, not I'm not saying evil like a preacher. I'm talking yeah, it's evil. You know, <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. I'm using that tone of voice to not make it seem as if I am puritanical. But I am, because I am still condemning it. Um, either way, this was also inspired by the most recent, completely mind-boggling piece of Hasbara that Israel produced that was, in fact, a cartoon, which is how my mind got going on this whole thing lately. So, Rory, have you seen the cum retrieval video? Yes. Uh, there's, <laughs> I just, every time I think about it, I just, like, the, the first thing that comes to mind is just the way that they say she only had a limited amount of time to get, or she only had two hours to get a sperm. Like, that's something that anybody fucking understands. Like, everybody knows, of course, yeah. Yeah, Someone two just hours. died, gotta get that shit out. Tick and clock, you know? It's a real a real sense of human urgency. That's cause That's what was amazing about it was how normal it was presented to the point where the art style used within the cartoon was corporate Memphis art style. Yeah. What is corporate Memphis art style, Rory? (laughs) It's the shit that all of the uh, motivational posters at my my last job that I signed an NDA saying that I can't say is Facebook uh, had on Mm -hmm. the walls. It's uh, every smooth ad for every startup where like everybody has the little tiny heads um and the big tube bodies yeah it looks kind of like pastel adventure time through like a funhouse mirror where like just the 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 torsos are too big yeah the characters Um, have like the same proportions as the like uh heinz edelman's designs in yellow submarine 
but they're yeah. all like uh, flat smooth. and smooth, and yeah, smooth is the operative word. Um, yeah. Also, you're right as identifying Adventure Time as an unfortunate influence on this uh, on, uh, on this sort of style, and you know, one that I, <clears throat> I I think it gets to the heart of why you see cartoons I used mean, for propaganda. Memphis itself is good. Like yeah. if you if you aren't familiar, look up like '80s Memphis. Uh, furniture design i'm saying more to people at home than to you because i assume that you know about memphis is that 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 squiggly stuff from the 80s like the or what you think of when you think of like the saved by the bell opening with like all the triangles and shit that's memphis yeah which looked cool yeah that wasn't corporate memphis this is sellout memphis this is like this is the memphis that's like not cool and used for cum retrieval animations promoting israel uh, Which yeah, is apparently shit that they do in Warhammer. They do cum retrieval in Warhammer? I just saw a post. I've never played Warhammer. I don't know. But, like, I saw somebody say that in Warhammer they, they will, like, store it in, like, the, the canon, not of, of the, the universe, not in the game. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there's, like, a cum retrieval mechanic You don't roll the Warhammer dice the game. And, and you use your little ruler to measure how far you have to go to get the cum retrieval on the little... And they probably have like a little miniature cum for the Warhammer. It's it's fun. You've got fun a people. full medical uh, apparatus recreation of a scrotum with uh, fake testes in it. You have to spend an hour and a half before the game, very slowly using a syringe to insert uh, fake seminal fluid into that, so that if you if you just roll the right number, uh, your your troops. See everyone. Uh, died. You have to get a needle and just suck that shit out very yeah. slowly. See, everyone's been imagining their, you know, what the cum retrieval machine looks like. If it's some sort of like pump or needle, or uh, uh, I'm imagining the silver ball from Phantasm, and it just sort of goes in and plugs in there and sort of sucks out all the juices. But um, I guess we haven't even described what the cum retrieval video is. So there was this piece of. Israeli uh, propaganda uh, that was posted on Twitter. That's how I saw it. And it was mm-hmm. this uh, animated video about the uh, a woman who's in the conflict and she survived initially, but then her husband died. And then she needed to retrieve his sperm. And this was like, like you said, something that was very casual. Like, oh yeah, this is something that everybody does. When your husband dies in battle, you know, you go out to the battlefield to retrieve his sperm. The first and... thing that anybody thinks when uh, their loved, when the worst possible thing happens to their loved one with somebody that they've built a life together with, gotta get that come. Gotta get that come because it, it's like you didn't. I feel like if you if you knew this was going to happen or you know there was a chance this would you would get the cum frozen beforehand that's usually what you do but I guess they were living in with the the you know under the auspices that they didn't have to freeze their cum anytime soon uh but apparently this is a pretty frequent thing uh, apparently there are actually uh, cum retrieval, uh, which I've never heard of before. Does America retrieve the cum of its soldiers? I guess because frequently they're on they're they're on like international, they're on foreign missions. They're not on domestic missions, so cum retrieval would be a lot harder. Or like, would there be a medic tasked with retrieving the cum from the soldiers? 
Is there's like a box you can check in the U.S. Army for the cum retrieval thing? I don't know. I just I look up how it's done, or like that. I, I tried to look up how it's done, and I still haven't figured it out. I think there's like a pro, a, like a probe involved. Sure. Like yeah, I think you have to like put a probe into their anus and like electronically stimulate their uh, <laughs> their prostate. Their prostate, yeah. So that it reverberates and then it starts splashing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is, I read yeah. that it it you can do it not not for two hours, up to twenty four hours uh, after death. Which also means that, like, for the last couple of hours, I, I've just been obsessively thinking about a season of 24 where Jack Bauer has a ticking clock. Yeah. Uh, as he, he, he travels across the world to try to retrieve the president's cum. Yeah. Well, I'm just imagining, like, from inside the balls, like, the sperms who are, like, dealing with the 24 hours, you know, they're all going crazy. Like, the sperm society in the guy's balls is going nuts, and we have, like, a series of vignettes or snapshot into these sperms' lives before, you know, are we getting out of here? You know, a million stories can be told in this guy's balls. Um, but, yeah, I... I... <laughs> Yeah. One of those Jordan Peterson milking machines. They don't they don't put the corpse on a slab and have like the little the the the, the little uh nodules come down from the ceiling. The little nozzles come down from the ceiling. Um but at some point it does seem like you're jerking off a corpse. No matter what you are jerking off a corpse. Which is like I don't know if other countries do this. I suspect they don't. Because... Do you tell your child, <laughs> yeah. um, a soldier extracted you from from your daddy's balls after he got shot in the head. Yeah. Uh, what oh. at what age do you tell your your child who is who was born of sperm retrieval? Hey, a soldier jacked off your dad's corpse. Yeah, that's how you were born. That's uh, that's like something Christopher Walken would tell you in Israeli Pulp Fiction. And I jacked off your dad's corpse. And <laughs> that's how I got the vial of sperm where you're from. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just the bizarreness. <laughs> it's just Jesus Christ. I feel like it, it, it's it, they even produced it as a distraction to make me distracted from the terrible things they're actually doing it just on. I, I think that there is like a twinfold uh, uh, purpose to the bizarreness of the recent Hasbro, which is one to test the faith of their base, which is like, how much will these dummies put up with, you know, uh, mm -hmm. to the point where it just seems like, Oh, they'll just anything, you know? <laughs> and it's also to drive people like us insane. Cause it's like, are they, this, this is an animation. They spend hours on, they spent days on this probably. Somebody got paid for, there was a whole line of people who read a script about the cum retrieval animations. Like this is, this is supposed to normalize us and make us look like the not weird necro biopolitic fascist country. <laughs> you know, this is supposed to be an enthralling human story done in the corporate Memphis style. With all of these people with small heads and thick limbs to make them look squishy and friendly. You know, you know they're squishy and friendly if they have big thick limbs, right? You know that sperm retrieval, battlefield sperm retrieval is normal if they have big thick limbs, right? 
Yeah, it definitely like got me away from thinking about uh, hospitals being mer mercilessly bombed for a few hours to just focus exclusively on what how do they get the come out yeah what well, how did they so was that the plan i f it, i feel like it must be because nobody could like clearly think that oh yeah the cum retrieval unit that's like an inspiring human story right everyone everyone recognizes that the cum retrieval unit is normal um i mean that also just underscores i feel like the cum retrieval unit is like a thing the nazis would come up with because it's like we need to make more nazi soldiers so in this they will have purpose <laughs> you know i'm jewish so i can say all this i'm jewish so i can adequately i'm dragging you all this gentile rory <laughs> you're, you're, you're in my world now but I feel, I feel uh, as as I was talking with Jeremy on a previous episode, Jeremy Appel in a previous episode, I do feel um, like it is almost, a, there is a duty as a Jewish person to directly compare the state of Israel currently to, to Nazis because we are seeing mm. a lot of that same, like, as, as identified by Umberto Eco in Ur-Fascism, like that culture of death. You know, the reason why they're willing to kill as many hostages uh, as they are is because oh it's, they got caught they were weak right you know and that's the mentality that a, a surprising amount of people in that country have more than you would think um so i i think that also that that culture of uh, extreme necropolitics and extreme like everyone is you know willing to die for this movement sort of extends into that strange sperm because you're willing to die for the movement but it's also about creating as many you know, of the ethnically pure as possible, which is why you need the sperm as well. So it's the twinfold of everyone's willing to die, but everyone must fuck as much as possible, or, you know, we must gain the, the best sperm as much as possible in order to create and proliferate the, the desired ethnicity. Um, mm. And which is, you know, this is, this is like, and it's ridiculous, but it's part and parcel with fascist ideology i don't know else how to that's why it feels like yeah. crazy when people try and like say oh you can't say that it's, no it's the it's the thing they're doing it yeah I, I mean what one thing that i i've seen a lot of which i think is like particularly illustrative is like just the way that i, I see people who uh support this talk about the palestinians like where i've seen numerous people say you know, nobody wants these people. They why why you know why there's a reason why like Lebanon and Egypt won't take them. Yeah. It, it's exactly it is exactly mirroring the way that that Nazis would talk about Jewish people by just saying like, "Oh, well they've been cast out of everywhere for a reason." Yeah, people don't take them because they know if they leave the country, you're going to move in there, you idiots. It's an expression of solidarity, you jerks. But yeah, I I think um I think anyone who's been listening to this podcast consistently knows my opinion on uh, Palestine. Yeah. Uh, um. And uh, I, I, but I want to call attention to the fact that it is a cartoon, the fact that it is cutesy, because that's the, like, the really sinister aspect of it as well. You know, beyond, beyond the fact that it's, like, it, the content is deeply sinister uh, of it, the execution of it is also sinister as well, because it's, um, trying to put this uh, universal face on this really fascistic 
inherently fascistic and ridiculous sperm collection story. And in that, I, I think lies the, um, so the, the dark undercurrent of cartoons. Have you ever thought about the dark undercurrent of cartoons? <sighs> All in the time. Situation. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, just real quick aside also, though, I think the thing that I, I've been most struck by of uh, creative works that have come out of the region uh, trying to justify this is that, like, Israeli SNL sketch Yeah. that just lo- essentially <laughs> boiled down to saying, hey, look at those stupid homos. Yeah. It, it 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 was like it was pretty derogatory towards like gay people in service of trying to say like oh Israel's a good safe place no one's gonna be mean to you here but you 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 fucking queers you, you get what you deserve for siding with uh, the the terrorists yeah it feels like it feels like it's a sequence from a Paul Verhoeven movie or something like that something that would be too on the nose in its critique of fascism so nobody would get it. <laughs> but uh there we, yeah um yeah but even like the humor of a like a fascist society is is uh, uh centered around hate, hatred of outgroups constantly yeah I, I there's in that video just like this genuine contempt for people engaged in like movements towards social justice but yeah yeah it, it, i mean to go back to um uh umberto echo like it there's also that that whole thing in her fascism about like the the depiction of uh your adversary simultaneously being like a a a weak class and also like a sinister evil simultaneously where like you have to constantly believe or like reinforce that you're better than these people but also they're gonna fucking destroy everything if you give them even an inch yeah um, because you need to see them as simultaneously beneath you and an existential threat as well. So you can just, because yeah. if they're just beneath you, then you can ignore them. But if they're beneath you and they're also, you know, uh, some sort of uh, competing group, you know, that gives you the, the cause to destroy them. Uh, so, yeah, the fucking, the, and also with the SNL thing too, and like the endless amount of, awful Hasbro TikToks that you've been seeing. Um, it, it is that cutesiness combined with the, the, the direness and the desperate evil of what they're actually saying that strikes a, 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 a sort of uniquely negative tone. It makes me wonder, like, were the Nazis this cutesy? Did they have, like, a little child was did, did the nazis have like a child's mascot or like a version of corporate memphis cartoon what were the nazi cartoons i mean their their whole thing was essentially just like doing cottage core shit mm-hmm. if you think about it like they're at which you know like we, we were we were before like cutesy cartoons of, of the current era mm. so like the best you could do is just like oh wouldn't it be nice to live on a farm yeah wouldn't it be nice to you know, you wear wear a nice big sweater and you get to pet your doggos. Yeah. Well, I think that's, you know, exp- I mean, famously, Hitler was a big Disney fan, right? Yeah. And uh, I think that idea, I, I was going to post something flippant and stupid today, which I did, which is like, uh, my line in my head was, criticism of Israel isn't anti-Semitic, but choosing Disney over Looney Tunes, that's anti-Semitic. <laughs> 
that that reveals a depth of anti-Semitism if you like Disney or the Fleischers. If you think Disney's better than the Fleischers, go fuck yourself. You're anti-Semitic, okay? That's pure anti-Semitism. You're and you're wrong. You're desperately wrong. As a Gentile, I feel like I can't. Uh, I I can't say that, but I I will say that I, I know which side I'm on. <laughs> which side are you on? Which side are? Yeah, yeah. No, um, but yeah, Disney. Uh, I like Tex Avery because I live in Texas, and he's got the word Tex in his name. Yeah, and he, you know, he got it. <laughs> he got. He understood the Jewish experience, Tex Avery. Um, only I, I say, I say, Looney Tunes are Jewish. Only Freling and Mel Blanc were Jewish guys. The rest of them were all Gentiles. But uh, I don't know. They feel more. They feel somehow yeah, you, more Jewish to me. You don't think the Tex Avery gets a pass because he was just hanging out with those guys all the time? Yeah, he was just a regular guy who was cool with Jewish people, and so Jewish people yeah. at the time were like, you're in! You're in, buddy. Also, you're Tex Avery, so we want you in as well. God. Yeah. You know he lost his eye? How did he lose his eye? Horsing around in the, stu- in the studio with one of the other uh, assistants, maybe it's like a young guy or something. <laughs> That's tough. How can you not like that? Just Just stabbed it with a pencil or something? I think he, like, just smashed it into a copying machine or something. <laughs> Great fella. Well, probably. I pro- I wonder, does Tex Avery have any skeletons? I've never explored his biography uh, that thoroughly. Uh, I don't, I'm not here to cancel Tex Avery, though. Oh, to- God, no. A, a, a paperclip flew into his eye. Oh, no, that's horrifying. He was, that's he was horsing around in the studio with one of the other guys, and a fucking paperclip stabbed him in the eye. Yeah. Well, lucky you don't need a ton of two, uh, depth perception for 2D animation. I'm sure it didn't help, but uh, still, tough. Tough to have a old paperclip in the eye. But, Sorry for... Uh, d- did Disney, do you think Disney ever <laughs> did cartoons for evil? What was the most evil propagandistic Disney cartoon you can remember? Like, I know all their uh... war propaganda... And the war propaganda of the time was always against the Germans, but it always has, like, racist depictions of Japanese people as well, as you were showing me earlier in a book that you have. If I remember correctly, like, before things got really bad, he had, like, some Nazi, like, affiliated people tour his studio. Sure. He he definitely was not uh, unsympathetic. Yeah, well, a lot of people were at the time. Henry Ford, uh, Charles Lindbergh, a lot of the a lot of the heavy hitters of the American mythology were, for some reason, invested in the idea that uh, we can return, we can return. It's almost as if there's something about uh, that ideology that is. Uh, beneficial to and maybe facilitates uh the kind of society that people in, in who run businesses would like hey. maybe uh that could have you know led to them trying to recruit a guy to overthrow roosevelt in the 30s look uh you know, th- you know there's a that? reason why i only spell it as america kkk uh, that's the only way, <laughs> that's the only way i spell it you know about that? You know about Snubbly Butler and the Bonus Army? Snubbly Butler and the Bonus Army? No, that sounds mm-hmm. like some sort of Paul McCartney song. What is this? Uh, Snubbly Butler was a guy who was like a, a big, uh, I think, general in the army. Mm-hmm. And then after like quitting that and writing a, a pamphlet called War is a Racket, 
um, started agitating to get, or with a bunch of veterans of World War One to get them uh, benefits. <laughs> like he just, it was a guy who like had a, a just a, a big gang of uh, veterans who, who weren't getting their benefits that he was leading around. And according to him, uh, at some point in the thirties, uh, several heads of major U.S. corporations like approached him to suggest, hey, have you ever thought about, you know, maybe you uh, overthrow the U.S. government and become a dictator, kind of like uh, Hitler? Sure, yeah. You ever think about doing that? Sure, yeah. And he went to Congress and, like, just told them, hey, the, the head of, like, Ford and GM want me to overthrow the government. See, seems troubling. Disney wasn't one of them, though. Disney wasn't rooting for Snuggly so. Butler. Uh, uh, one, one of the, I think Prescott Bush was involved. Yay! So. Yay! <laughs> all of the greats. All of the heavy hitters. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like uh, capitalism prefer, prefers an authoritarian government. Yeah. Well, you know, talk about early cartooning for evil. Um, uh, I could talk about Hergé a little. We could talk about Hergé's early affiliation with Catholic fascism and... Uh, I've never read it. I should read Tintin in the Land of the Soviets because uh, it's an explicitly anti-communist Tintin. And, of course, Tintin o Congo, which is the very racist uh, colonial, you know, super Belgian Tintin, um, which I think contain hits of uh, the fascist attitude. But, um, I mean, I, I mean, Hergé got better. <laughs> you know, he didn't yeah. retain these attitudes throughout his entire life, you know, to the point where... Um, his later books could even I like his last book is about supporting uh, basically the communist overthrow of a Latin American country. I don't know if you can read Alcazar as a, as as communist though, so maybe that's wrong. Maybe it's more of a who knows. Either way, yeah. Hergé w- was not a fascist by the end of his career, but he was at the beginning, like actually, literally, like they let yes, we are a Catholic fascist newspaper. Uh, that's who you work for. And that's where Tintin in the land of the Soviets is serialized. Which I would say you should still read because I think it's a, just formally a delight. Like, it's an extremely funny book with terrific pacing and a lot of great slapstick in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still honestly one of my favorites of his just from, like, a formal perspective. I say it's like a big fan of Tintin. Even if I don't really agree with the perspective that he's going for. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, but I think that's, um, you know, even I've never read it, Tintin in the Congo because I think it would just bum me out too much. Yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Hergé and his depiction of black people, even in the later years, not so good. But what do you want? You know, I mean, more, maybe. <laughs> I can't say. More, more more of an apology than he gave, which, I mean, he did, like, eventually say this was a bad idea, but you could have just not done it. It was, you know, what, whatever. He was an old guy from a different era, and uh, yeah. it was amazing that he extracted of himself as much as he did. So give him credit for that, at least. Uh, but it, th- that's what's also funny about uh, Tintin in the Land of the Soviets is it does have a markedly more simplified and almost uh childlike style that i guess was more adherent it looked like um early newspaper like american newspaper comics and obviously bore like uh, uh some debt to windsor mckay 
or something like that. But it was using yeah. it for this hardline anti-communist proto-fascist stance as well. I, mean, I guess hard hardline I wouldn't describe this subtly childlike proto. Or yeah, looking at it, Rory has produced a copy, and it looks like Popeye. He's basically yeah, just copying it, a lot of Popeye. It does not have the the uh, clean line uh, look that his later work would be associated with. Also, Snowy, uh, his head is just too big. Yeah, Snowy's all, all out panels. of proportion. He's cute, though. He's called Snowy, and in, in, uh, of course, anyone in France knows him as Milou. Milou! How did they get Snowy out of that? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh... uh Tintin in America, see. also racist. But what, all of the early Tintins are, you know, if they're all in, there's an anti-Semitic character in the shooting star, Mr. Bullwinkle, which, uh, <laughs> I mean, in Spanish speaking countries, Nancy is named, uh, Periquita. Oh, that's cute. I don't, I don't know cousin. how you get that. Yeah, it's cute, but I don't know how you get that from Nancy. Huh. Well, well, you know, um, but yeah, I I don't think we'll see if this we'll see if this Memphis art style uh, Israel sperm collection person eventually outgrows this and uh, goes on to become Hergé and have like a <laughs> have like a big they they do a Memphis style Memphis corporate style Tintin in Tibet that uh, shows their spiritual cleansing in in a in an artistic fashion. Um, maybe they that will. Is... Okay, just a Rory... question by itself. What? Rory, also the thing that I've been thinking about, or the phrase that I haven't been able to get, two phrases that I haven't been able to get out of my mind since the Cumber mm-hmm. Retrieval comic, which is, um, of course, in 1998, every hack sketch uh, show had something called Saving Ryan's Privates. But it's here mm-hmm. now. It's here now. We actually have Saving oh, Ryan's Privates. Oh, God. Now. Um, and it is a hack observation even for me to do it because it's the basic thing. But that's all was running through my head. But also, the thing that is probably less hacky but still hacky is for years they accuse Jews horribly of blood libel, right? You know, they steal the blood of children in order to extend their own lives. Mm-hmm. But, Rory, we have entered the world of cum libel. We have entered the world <laughs> of extracting... <laughs> extracting Fuck. the cum from zombie oh, no. extracting the cum from corpses to extend life we're doing there it's cum oh, libel no so i haven't been able to get the phrase cum libel out of, out of my head oh <laughs> no they did cum libel on themselves <laughs> they made them look like cum extracting monsters uh, like a succubus this isn't good, this isn't good. radio I'm I'm just scrunching my face. That's all I can think to yeah, do. Yeah, he's scrunching. He can't say it. He can't cosign cum libel. Trying to make my lips disappear inside of my beard. Yeah, um, but that's that's all that's been going inside my head since I've been Jesus thinking. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> um. Uh, cartooning for I don't know what else is on the subject. I mostly just wanted to talk about the cum cartoon because in terms of all the all the brain breaking stuff that's been happening recently, that's that's been that's been on there. But I I think it also just uh, it, it equates to stuff like stone toss as well, or mm-hmm. um, 
maybe not political cartoons because they're supposed to be deliberately grotesque and they don't have the like we're depicting this as cutesy actually but that's not true either because another person we were talking about we mentioned at the beginning of the episode was michael ramirez who is a very famous not very as famous as you can be for a political cartoonist but probably he's like a right-wing, he's like a never-Trump right-wing guy. He does stuff for the Las Vegas Review Journal. And he's very technically accomplished. He's got a very instantly recognizable style that's sort of uh, scratchy and uh, and uh, he has long-looking characters a lot of the time. Uh, and uh, He thinks that Joe Biden's head is an upside-down triangle. Yeah, he depicts Joe Biden mystifyingly, which is weird because he's pretty good at likenesses, but he's just does not. He gets Biden really wrong for some reason. He's uh, yeah, he gets the head shape off. I don't know why. Maybe it's supposed to mean something like this semiotic understanding of uh, like head shapes that's inherent to. I feel like there's this like innate um, phrenological aspects to political cartooning in general where yes. uh head shapes mean a very specific thing maybe it, in the world of like the the language that only old people understand about of political cartooning biden's head being a triangle means some specific thing that we we can't grasp because we don't have that much dementia yet yeah and uh so he his sort of misunderstanding of shapes his basic misunderstanding, his sort of more, uh, as you said, uh, like a, a phrenologically derived understanding of skull shapes uh, sort of enters his way in his depictions of, uh, uh, of, um, <laughs> of, of Gazans uh, or as his depiction of, of the Gaza situation. Uh, one cartoon that received a lot of buzz recently is, I believe it depicts the leader of Hamas, uh, Ismail uh, Haniyeh, and it depicts him with a bunch of children tied to him, a bunch of babies tied to him, and he's labeled Hamas. Oh, he also has a woman in a hijab who's got big googly eyes, and she's going, whoa, they roped me into this. Um, and uh, so Hamas has tied a bunch of babies to him, not the leader of Hamas. He's just labeled Hamas. He's just Hamas in general. Oh, it's and Mr. Hamas. It's Mr. Hamas. Uh, and he's... Not Ismail, whatever you said. That's Mr. Hamas. Yeah, yeah. And he's pointing he's his, his fingers upwards. Mr. Hamas is pointing his fingers upwards as to suggest that he knows something. And he says, how dare Israel attack civilians? So this is obviously the human shields thing, which is complete bullshit. Because if human shields actually worked, you know, they would use them. But they don't because Israel just kills children wantonly. They don't. They don't. So, you know, that's a stupid argument. Um, but yeah, all the all the little child children here are little cutesy children. They all, oh, they're all little. I'm sure you care a lot about the Palestinian children, Michael Ramirez. I'm sure yeah, you I'm, really I, give I, a shit. I do think it's impressive that he didn't give them the same uh, features that he gives every other Arab person, where they have. Just a gigantic nose that yeah. has a slight has slight features around it. Yeah, uh, that's guess, what's really children, weird. Yeah, they haven't they haven't been hit with the Arab ray yet that turns you into uh, 
Essentially a drawing uh, the way that the Nazis used to draw Jewish people. Yes, it, they gave him a gigantic potato nose. Uh, uh, the the Hanier caricature, it does... Because it, Hanier, it's like, whether you are... <laughs> however you feel about Hamas, he's a very normal-looking... He's an exceedingly normal-looking person. He does not have, like... He does not look like this caricature. <laughs> or what appears to be a caricature of him with, like, the super-arched eyebrows. And, like, obviously this is meant to make him look more... But his nose! His nose is this gigantic bulbous tomato, but Hanier's nose does not look like that at all. But also, it, you're right, Rory, because it translates further, because I'm just noticing this cartoon of Rashta Talib that he did. <laughs> no, I haven't <laughs> seen that one. It's, uh... Th- the cartoon's caption is Blinders. Oh, Jesus Christ! And he is also depicted Rashida Talib with a gigantic fucking nose. Oh, my... God. For some reason. That is so vile. Yeah, it's a very, you know, I'm not, you know, you could say a lot of stuff is racist. <laughs> but I don't know. This seems a little, this seems a little racist. Um, not that I would expect any different of him. And, uh, you know, I mean, Michael Ramirez, if you look at a lot of his output, it's like sort of bog standard conservative stuff. Um, but, yeah, he's really, he's really going deeply hard on the races. He's really, as the episode title suggests, cartooning for evil. Uh, and this, yeah, horrible Rashida Tlaib cartoon. She's wearing a button that says from the river to the sea and on the blinders on either side of her, it says, I hate, Amer- hate America and hate Israel. So she's wearing the blinders of hate America and hate Israel. What, why does she hate Israel? Oh yeah, it's chained to her face. Oh, wow. I didn't... Wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's fucking... That is weird connotations. Sure. It's fine. But once again, we see cartooning for evil. Uh, straps on and also like watches in some part. That, that, no, that is a watch. Oh, is it like... Okay. Why is it a watch? I, is it like, I don't know. Is it like I an think... IED or something like that? Is it a saw trap? I... I really think that that's just that he, like, tried to look up bondage gear. And, because right. it, it, like, some of the ones lower down have, like, the shape of what you'd, you'd imagine from a chest harness. But, like, he can't, he's so fucking normal of a guy that he, he can't really conceptualize what that looks like. So it yeah. just turns into a watch. Um, Another quality of Ramirez that I like is that his jokes are usually so bad or his um, observations so tepid and not really worth observing is that um, he's he's quite a competent artist. I, you know, I can say that much. He, he's, he's good at the lines. He's good at evincing some sort of three-dimensionality. He's good at stylization. He's bad at likenesses, but everything okay. else he's pretty good at. I, I gotta clarify. No, I, I'm I'm dumb. Uh, that is what the top of a, a of horse blinders look like. They have a metal plate on the top parts. Okay, that's great. They have the Air Force okay. blinders with the metal plate on it. But uh, I think I found like have, the exact they have horse the blinders he was looking at. Oh, yeah, their horse cha- They're horse blinders. So that does indeed have a. So this sort makes of a lot of sense if you know a lot about horse blinders. Well, he was just using it as a reference. Maybe the horse blinder people caught it and they were like, oh, that's good. But yeah, it's sort of, I, I think the the fact that it's horse blinders and the desire to depict her as, a, let's say, animalistic 
says a little something about Michael Ramirez, you know, that's uh, whatever, whatever. I mean, not whatever. Um, here's here's a Maybe weird it does one. He goes to the racetrack a lot. Maybe he knows a lot about horse horses. He does work in Las Vegas. Okay, here's a here's a strange one. Um, here's Israel as a lion and Hamas as a rat. And the rat yeah. is saying, we demand a little restraint here in your complete annihilation. So, once again, the Nazi thing, they're evil, but they're also weak. They're, they're also a, little rats. Yeah, they're also little vermin, right? They're little, little, little rats. And Israel is a glorious, roaring lion, you know? There's nothing uh, extremely fucked up in a very established way about depicting an entire ethnic group as rats. That's never been done before. No, no, no. Uh, you know, you know who did a very problematic version of that is Art Spiegelman's mouse. He should never have done that. Should have never depicted the Jews as mice. They're associated with now with all sorts of terrible things, like the Nazi Mickey Mouse. Oh no. Um, or also, yeah, guess the. What are you looking at? Are you looking at more uh, looking Ramirez's? I'm looking at the responses of, uh, to Ramirez posting the rat drawing, and there is a picture of that some uh, Nassim, who I, I, I hope it's not a problem to read his name out, replied to that with a picture of one male lion uh, humping another male lion <laughs> with uh, a Palestinian flag on the top lion and an Israeli flag on the bottom lion. Yay! Yay! The, lion, the th- Palestinian lion is sodomizing the, the Israeli Yay! <laughs> Fucking dumb. But, uh, it's not a drawing either. It's a photo. It's a photo, yeah. I, I, it's a, a photo of one lion humping another. That's great. I, not i'm genuinely not sure what that's supposed to mean because they are both lions it's gonna it means that the palestinian lion is going to sexually dominate dominate the israeli lion of course uh which sure what's into it though what they're two lions who are enjoying each other's bodies well maybe maybe he's got a weird specific feeling going on you know maybe he's he's like this would all if like everyone in israel went gay and I don't, I don't know if everyone, if Israel bottomed, you know, we could, we could stop all of this if they were willing to bottom, but they're convinced, you know, they always, I'm going to stop this line of question because I'm disgusted with yeah. myself for going down yeah. this line of reasoning right now. But and maybe I shouldn't have read out the name of just some random guy with uh, 99 followers. It's fine. He's no one will be able to identify, but um, sure. I, the idea that. Your enemy, we will sexually dominate our enemies. <laughs> you know, also not great. But I, like I'm gonna. Enjoy, it looks like they're both enjoying I'm, it. it it's, like yeah, not... it's fun. It's see that one is more fun than the Ramirez one, which is uh, obvious Nazi shit. That one, a little more playful, a little more playful. I would say it does not evince deeply racist views of the poster i don't know maybe we i don't know about Jeez. this guy i can't vouch for him yeah, i don't i don't this is just a random civilian who made yeah. a confusing picture he is not a pulitzer prize winning political cartoonist um this is just like um a question in general i think i asked a lot of people maybe last time you were on the show i even asked it but like mm-hmm. why are political cartoons so like uniformly bad there's three people that do it okay, and then the rest of them are like, ugh, 
Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, you know, <sighs> why it's... is it like, can you just never be funny with that type of pontificating material? Or never, not even be funny, but there's something like trivializing or bad about it. You know, what What do you think? I, I think it's, I, I, I have to assume that part of it is age. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to, uh, well, no. Yeah, there, there are some old people who are, I mean, I don't, there are a lot of old people who are still like extremely sharp and funny, but I, 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 I think probably the biggest thing is just that it, it's a daily thing and it's very hard to, like with a lot of cartoonists they are like doing, or political cartoonists they are still doing it like as quick as possible. This is just my reaction to these things. And when you're working on that kind of timetable and you have to do this extremely meticulous style of art that like usually takes a lot of time and effort that it's just impossible to have a really nuanced opinion of anything mm-hmm. beyond just the guys I like they're handsome. The guys who don't like, their heads are fucked up. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, Call that's always, uh, you've hit upon, like, what always makes it stupid is the effigizing of your enemies constantly and drawing them as ugly as possible. I think there's a point where you could, like, I mean, what I would cite is Ellie Valley. you know, he draws them so ugly as to loop right back around to interesting and stimulating again. You know, if you do, like, that mm. really detailed Basil Wolverton stuff. But that's, you know, I, I think... We've hit upon another because Ellie Ellie Valley's comic. I love them. I think they're great, but yeah, I've yeah. never like had like a laugh out loud guffaw at them because there's usually a lot of text and they take a while to read and they're sort of filled with venom and anger and you know they're they're not like something like you can read in two seconds and be like ah that's dumb, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. It's also usually like trying to to work through a more specific point than just like a, a lot of Ben Garrison stuff, for instance. Since we were talking about him mm-hmm. earlier, like really just does boil down to Donald Trump. He's got big pecs. Mm-hmm. Sure does. Uh, Joe Biden, he's a carpet. Yeah, he is Think a carpet. About it. Yeah, in the most recent, in Ben Garrison hasn't released a, a lot of comics about Israel, but all of them are about Iran. He seems to believe that uh, Iran is the major force backing Palestine and is thus, you know, that's bad because Biden and Obama were both nominally supportive of it, which means that he can tie all of this back to Biden. And uh, that's that seems to be Garrison's position is that Iran is playing Biden like a fiddle here because he's demented, which I don't know. I don't know how he gets there, but uh, I guess conservatives are really afraid of Iran for some reason. Yeah, they they have been for a really long time. Yeah, like that that has always been one of the the big things that, or as long as I've been alive and aware of what's going on, that's been one of the main thrusts of U.S. foreign policy is just trying to figure out how one day we can slither our way into an opportunity to just fucking kill everybody in Iran. Yeah, we haven't gotten there yet, but we're gonna one day. Yeah, I mean it can't happen because like a ground invasion of Iran is impossible. Uh. And I don't think they're even even the bloated American military doesn't have enough air resources to my God to do that. It, it's take out so that fucked up to think about. Like if COVID hadn't happened, like we could have we could be in a war with Iran by now because like you remember like two weeks before COVID happened, like yeah, Donald Soleimani. Trump just blew up. Yeah, he he <laughs> killed like their equi- he he killed this like very well known and popular uh, military general, <laughs> and uh, they didn't do anything. 
So I, I always yeah. never understood the fear that, oh, Iran might escalate this. No, we killed one. We if they killed one of our guys, guy. if they did that, we would, you know, rain hell on them for years. But they didn't do anything after that. I mean, one, because they can't. Because you can't say, oh, we're invading America. or If you're Iran, you know, you don't have the resources. But also because... I don't know. They're not. They have. You, you can't escalate. You know. You you need to play your cards a little. You know. You can't. <laughs> so yeah. I don't. I I never yeah. understood the fear mongering about them because I guess I feel like they wouldn't react that way if they actually had a nuke. <clears throat> yeah, but also I, I feel like if COVID hadn't hit when it hit, like I'm pretty sure shit would have gone down. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows, though? Who, uh, there, there are people, there are foreign policy people that know better than us. We'll you mind if I go to the restroom real quick? You can go to the restroom real quick. All vamp. Sorry. All vamp All right. on the concept yeah. of... Uh, yeah, don't cut nothing. I'm not cutting anything. This is Everyone's getting the raw. They're getting the raw bathroom feed here. They're going to hear pissing noises in the background. Um, but yeah, evil cartoons... Um, and the fact that um, there is something childlike or a direct attempt to appeal to this childlike quality of people that wants to believe in something simplistic, in a very simplistic narrative. And I think that's sort of why you use cartoons for propaganda as well, to simplify the narrative or to make it seem as if it is a, an easy children's story that you can tell. And it gets to that part of you which desires information to be contained in a more razzle-dazzle or easily comprehensible or more gentle style that might not be accurate but is at least slightly more accessible. And I think there's a lot of people that like to take in information this way. I know I do. I think that, you know, that's like the, the thrust behind other sort of pseudo-corporate Memphis educational uh, cartoons like Kurtzgesagt, which was eventually revealed to have some sort of sinister purpose. I forget what. <clears throat> I think it was like Gates Foundation stuff it was associated with. Kurtzgesagt? Um, Kurtzgesagt. Remember that YouTube channel no. that also used like corporate Memphis style that no, uh, did like that. instructive videos, but then there was some like, like it's sort of neoliberal educational model was revealed to be mildly insidious or whatever. They were popular. I don't remember that at all. But yeah. Um, so yeah, the desire for an oversimplification that we receive with cartoons as well, which is why I think, as um, what's his face, as Scott McCloud pointed out in Understanding Comics, um, the Adventure Time face or the simplified face, it appeals to a broader range of people because you can map your identity more easily on it. The more detailed you show a face, the the less easy it is to map yourself onto it because you know it's it's uh not you it's more explicitly not you but mm -hmm. if you depict something with an adventure time face then oh that could be me that could easily be me because it uh lacks features so i think a lot of that simplified cartoons bearing propaganda uh, directly uses that feature of cartoons in order to uh get some sort of nefarious purpose across because it's counting on sort of the inherent cuteness of that adventure time face and the fact that mm. it's easy to map yourself onto that face as well. Um, which is why I find it insidious because it's that combination of, of cuteness and also like evil unspeakable violence, you know, like, like uh, British colonialism, that, that quality that British colonialism had where it was all this 
whimsy and stiff upper lip and then you know just bloodshed endless fucking bloodshed um so yeah that's what's very i think that is sort of a uniquely um unsavory quality about this is i don't was 9-11 propaganda post 9-11 american propaganda this cutesy i remember it being more overtly no. violent and adult yeah it, it was uh <laughs> what i remember of it was like just specifically bloodthirsty and and outwardly racist and just just fucking insane it, it, I I don't know what 9-11 was like in Canada, but, like, there was just a few years where it, it, everyone just completely lost their minds. Like, yeah. even, like, I, I, I was 12, so me being against the war doesn't really do much of anything. Uh, but, like... No, actually, uh, thinking back, there was cutesy 9-11 uh, Hasbro. <laughs> I'll just call it all propaganda Hasbro now. There was some Hasbro that I uh, remember. I remember on Newgrounds, one of those popular yeah. post-9-11 cartoons on Newgrounds was something along the lines of called, like, I Miss You, Daddy. And it was just this, you know, big-eyed child with, like, sad music in the background going, I miss you, Daddy, after 9-11. And that child was Pete Davidson. Uh, but, or, uh, um, I don't know, that, that Robert Pattinson romantic drama where just 9-11 happens at the right, end of it yeah. to him. But that came years yeah, a, after too, so it's like um, I'm trying to remember where, what were the. I feel like sentimentalism is, is is kind of different though from like overtly like oh I'm a small bean I have to protect my race. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, where, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um, which is ultimately like what is so disconcerting about that cartoon, which like I also it, it's worth noting I think that like I will think that the person that that is about is maybe a real person yeah and i don't know how she feels about all of this i don't think that she was like involved in this maybe she so i don't know Who's i this? maybe feel i am not sure if like i feel great about like her, her being dragged into this if she, like, i don't this wasn't i don't something feel she a lot of with. i don't feel sympathy for this sperm collecting woman but <laughs> but yeah the the fundamental thing that is so jarring about this is that like uh, her reaction to it being, or like the the cartoon version of this person's reaction to what happened, being like, "I must, I must preserve his bloodline and keep it going." This feels like saying, "We, we must uh, protect." I was trying to, I've I spaced out. I can't do it. I was trying to figure out how to re rephrase the the fourteen words, yeah, but, but it's, with yeah, small it's, beans instead yeah. of white children. We must protect the beans. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. It, it starts to fall apart. You get the idea. Yeah. Do it yourself. This is this is this is enrichment work for you, the listener. I had to protect. Don't my tell husband's... me how you figure. Yeah. Small small beans. Yeah. Uh... Figure it out on your own time. Don't tell me what you come up with. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. But, I, mean, I guess cutesy in America post nine eleven would be like. Doing a parody of Deo, where it was about bombing. Yeah, that was bad. But yeah, it um, come Mr. Taliban turnover. Bin also, Laden. but also not cutesy, not like small, not like ooh, ooh, I'm a small. It was like we're just gonna get them. That was the sentiment because you can't do yeah. like ethnic preservation in your pluralist country, right? You know, you can't make that argument because you're not an exclusive. You're clearly not an exclusively white country, so. Or not you can still be extremely racist to Arabs, though. Yeah. you. Yes, you can, and people were after that. I remember, like, 
One of the cutesier ones was even the South Park entry of Osama bin Laden has farty pants, where they turned it into a Looney Tune. But even that was like, that episode is all about how how sympathetic the Afghani kids are, which is, you know, South Park, they don't, you know, they've had some problems. But I always thought um, for, for an episode that was sort of just blatant, we're going to get them propaganda, it actually had a little more to say than the average. And then they eventually went on to do Ladder to Heaven, which is one of the best like post 9-11 comments or episodes about the exploitation of the sentiment sentimentality behind it so they were they were sort of you know i can't i don't think they were that cutesy really but um yeah it it doesn't seem there because i also think america really can't labor under the pretension that it's a small bean either because it's 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 very not very much not we want to be a small bean though yeah we do. Everyone wants to be. Everyone wants to be. It's not my fault because I have I have emotional problems or, you know, because I have some sort of dysregulation or because I'm so tiny. Look at me. I can't do anything to hurt anybody. I think we'll get there. I think that that's like the ultimate direction that the Democratic Party wants to go into is just small bean totalitarianism. Yeah, it's happening. That's what's happening. Uh, Versus and- just outright totalitarianism of the republican party yeah it's it's to, yeah because the republican party you know they 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 don't they're just the we want to be the strong mother you know kill, killers we want to be the the murderers and no it's we want to be murderers but like what if we were like so t- we we didn't want we were doing it reluctantly was sad about it oh no this knife just went in your back i'm so sorry oh no I got Mr. Bill. Oh, no. Yeah, these Mr. Bill Democrats. Although, I guess Mr. Bill is the one who's always getting killed. But what if Mr. Bill wanted revenge? And, you know, that's what he's I doing. I had to shoot that Mexican child in the head because he was doing me a scared. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> Shouldn't joke about that. Doing Rory's shaking his scared. head vigorously. Um, <laughs> heck and scared. Yeah. But, yeah, I... I guess that really does sum it up as small bean totalitarianism. That is the like uh, the effect of evil cartoons to at once say something monstrous and aggressive and bloodthirsty, but also to mask yourself as uh, the opposite, which is what creates that disgusting and angering incongruousness that is mm. exemplified by the cum retrieval video. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think, uh... Government-mandated milking tables. Government-mandated milking tables. It's happening. The small bean milking tables. They will milk your small beans for you. Um, I think we've come to the end of this, uh, episode about evil cartoons. Uh, Rory, do you have anything to, to plug or to, or to say at the end of this episode? Um, when is this coming out? Uh, probably tonight or tomorrow. Okay, well, uh, if it's tonight, uh, November 15th, or tomorrow, November 16th, I have, uh, shirts up. If it's after that, I do not have shirts up. If I do ha- if it is one of those two days, you can go to www.getjackedoffbythepresident.com <laughs> and get a shirt. Or, uh, if it's the 17th, you can't. I'm sorry. But I am going to be doing a reprint of one of my most popular and like most requested for reprint shirts, uh, uh, starting from 
Black Friday and going either until the 30th or if at any point before the 30th I decide I, I have so many orders that it's going to make me miserable, I'm going to cut it off before that. All right. Sounds good. Get your shirts. That's it. I got, I got if a, you shirt. Want a shirt. I got my Dick Ripper shirt that Rory sent to me for free because we're friends. Do you still live at the same place? Uh, yes, I do still live at the same place. All right, I, I have a zine I'm working on that I, I want to mail you a copy of when it's finished because Ooh. it's just an idea that I'm really proud of. Ooh, you're nice. You're that, nice. That is all that I'm going to say. Uh, well, everyone should also join Rory's Patreons where uh, if you at, at a certain tier, you can get those zines get in the freaking mail if, every if month. You, if you want. Yeah, if you um, want. But also, it's nice. It's nice. Just do it. Uh, those are cartoons not for evil. Those are cartoons for, at worst, neutrality. And at some best, of them are evil. Some of them. Uh, I, I, I stay away from politics in my work a lot, more than anything, because I feel like I don't have much to contribute mm-hmm. uh, through the, the lens of the specific kind of work that I do. Even though it is something that I, I do care about a lot. I, I have a, a degree in political science. But it's just not something that I really feel like I'm the right person to go <laughs> you, to. You don't for think that. A, a cube named Tony with a greaser haircut is the right person to address the gravity of the Palestine issue? No, I mean if I if I if I felt like I had a good hook, I I would do something. But I've just never really felt like I'm the right person. To, you should have Netanyahu about that. sprouting a bunch of little Netanyahu's, and you know. Uh, like a lot of you know, you know when you when those the newspaper comics and your guys start freaking out and doing body horror. But you could do that, that said, that would uh, be great. It wouldn't cheapen the situation. It wouldn't be <laughs> stupid at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's um, why I stay away from doing cartoons of it as well. It's just what am I adding to this with cartoons? You know, what am I? I don't want to simplify this situation. I want to talk about it without cartoons. I want to talk about it with more nuance. Yeah that adult and I, I conversation don't want to feel at any point as though i'm making my beliefs into a brand yeah that's uh, tough. because that kind of feels as though it's cheapening things sometimes not that i think that all political cartoonists are doing that i think some people do a terrific job of laying out their beliefs in a, a compelling way but also uh yeah people it's not your beat. don't let yeah don't let um feeling like you don't have the right words to use uh stop you from speaking out if you see injustice in the world hell yeah be strident i just can't express that with drawings of chickens trying to hatch pigs yes find an appropriate medium as well but also be strident but in an appropriate medium (laughs) all right go go to a go to a protest Sure, yeah, keep, go to a protest. Keep showing up to protests. Yeah. That's my that's my my big plug. Yeah. Uh, write your write your your leaders in power and uh use your body to block stuff. It actually does things using your body to block stuff. Uh you might not think it does, but uh just uh you know, messing with the daily commerce in some little way can have a large effect. I think that the optics of uh, pe- uh, of how this is going with people demonstrating right now is uh, kind of starting to break what the consensus is. Uh, at the very least, like make what the United States government is supporting look a lot less worth supporting. Yeah. Um, and you should get out there. 
Yeah, keep up the momentum. All right. Good night, everyone. Or at least make a sign for somebody. Sure. There's lots of ways you can help. Uh, but try. I think that's a big message. You, this is one of those things you have to at least try a little on, if not a lot. Uh, well, take care, everyone, and uh, have a wonderful time. Bye. Bye.